0: Support for starting small comes from Human Scale, the leading designer and manufacturer of high performance ergonomic products that help create a healthier work life. All of the products from chairs to standing desk and more are comfortable, easy to use, and sustainable, and great for either the office or the work from home environment. With an increase in shifting workplaces, comfort can be especially hard to find. As I run the podcast, I'm in front of my desk for hours a day from scheduling, researching, interviewing, and more. Human Scale allows me to remain productive without the consequence of body stress to follow. Make sure to check out Humanscale at humanscale.com and use code Small at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. That's code Small at humanscale.com and enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Shane Heath, founder of Mudwater, a holistic coffee alternative. Shane was an avid coffee drinker, but the caffeine intake began to saturate his ritual with anxiety and jitters. With one-seventh the amount of caffeine in coffee, Shane formulated Mudwater as it is today. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Shane Heath of Mudwater. Shane, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me.
0: Of course. So I want to start out with your upbringing. So where did you grow up, and what was your childhood like?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in a town in California called Santa Cruz, Mm -hmm. a surf town, and I grew up on the east side of town. Um, My parents uh, had an amazing childhood. My dad was a builder, a contractor. He built every home that I lived in, which is a really interesting experience where I was growing up amongst blueprints and saws and tools and kind of seeing um ideas turned into physical spaces that ultimately i would like rest my head in which is pretty cool and um as i grew older um reflecting on how that has impacted my career and my career choices is pretty interesting and then my mother uh, was a computer science major in school and upon graduating joined actually one of the biggest mushroom companies in the united states um, called monterey mushrooms as a as an it technician there okay Um, Yeah. So grew up on the beach, surfing, mountain biking, really, really active life. Um, and my parents, uh, I think infusing a uh, very creative mindset in me, both on from the physical side with my father, um, just building, getting me into tools and and trying to figure out how things work. And then my mom introducing me to computers at a very young age. Um, so yeah,
0: that's awesome. So growing up with your parents, doing what they do. Did you have an entrepreneurship mindset, say lemonade stands or sell any products growing up?
1: 100%. Yeah. Um, When I, yeah, when I was like 12, probably 10 or 12, I started a uh, car detailing business called Shane Shines. Okay. Um, I later got better at branding, I'd like to think, but (laughs) wasn't the best name. But yeah, I was uh, just detailing cars in my neighborhood. My dad bought me some, some material, uh, detailing equipment basically. And, um, yeah, I would detail cars and then he'd come out and he was kind of my inspector and <laughs> felt like I'd never get it perfect, uh, but definitely a cool learning experience. And then a couple years after that, I was probably a sophomore in high school and I started um, like a t-shirt line. I was getting really into art at that time and airbrushing specifically. So mm-hmm. I was doing custom airbrush art on t-shirts. That's um, awesome. So those are my first, my first entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, yeah. Nice.
0: I I saw you went on to study at San Diego State University in 2007. What did you study there?
1: Yeah, so I went to school at San Diego State, and they had an interesting major that was called multimedia studies. Um, At the time, I I was both, like I said, very very into art, but also um, very fluent on computers. And even while I was in high school, I was taking uh, graphic design classes at the local junior college. Um, And so I went to school sort of thinking, should I should I study design, go full in there? Should I maybe do web develop, web development or should I do fine art? Um, luckily, upon some exploration, I found this multimedia major, which allowed me to sort of dabble in various um, elective courses. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd say my main course structure was built around design, typography, um, and doing a lot of graphic design. But I also was able to take fine art classes with like figure, figure drawing classes and then even... 3d modeling classes sort of like pixar style um, modeling classes Uh, i took three semesters of electronic music Um, so really exploring my creative bounds i would say yeah Um, and came and graduated with a really uh, broad um, broad creative tool set Um, but i think more importantly the structure that could allow me to learn Sort of anything that was put in front of me, and that seemed to bode really well for for joining startup world
0: awesome so with that creative side, I'm kind of curious prior to mudwater and following college, what kind of jobs did you then work with that degree?
1: yeah, so during college, I uh, started and took on an internship um, for a nonprofit and through that experience met the founder of that nonprofit and we worked really well together um, and serendipitously, when I was graduating, he was graduating, getting his MBA, um, and was about to start a tech startup that was an action sports video site. Um, In hindsight, it doesn't seem like the best business model, but we were, uh, you know, I think it is important, or I think it's very valuable to have that sort of beginner's mindset and just dive into things and learn. And that's sort of what we did. Um, We were able to close a little bit of investment and found a developer. So it was kind of me on the design side we had a developer and then he was running biz dev and we worked on this project for like two and a half years um had some pretty amazing things happen considering our experience yeah uh but I think the best thing was just like learning how to learn and I I learned how to code I learned about intricacies of starting a startup I learned how to work remotely like all of these really intangible skills Mm -hmm. um I learned uh you know, how to pressure test your ideas as well. And so after two years, the business, well, it was just really tough to monetize something like that. I think we went into it with uh, the premise of like the social media, like build an audience and then you'll figure out the, the money on, on the back end. And yeah, um, it's a lot tougher, <laughs> <laughs> the, easier said than done. And so, yeah, I, I took that experience and uh, moved. Well, I was living in Santa Cruz, but I moved uh, to San Francisco, um, just, just down up the road and uh, was working in Silicon Valley for various tech startups there. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I found that the experience I had from school and then sort of uh, built upon in that first startup endeavor uh, really allowed me to do a lot um, with a little in these companies where I could do, I could work on branding, marketing. Um, I knew how to front end code so I could work with developers. And I, I, but I'd say the majority of my focus was on UI, UX um, for web and mobile app design. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I worked in the tech startup space up there for around three, four years, uh, commuting from San Francisco to Mountain View.
0: Okay. So with this tech startup then, and then going into Mudwater Water in around 2018, what inspired you to create Mudwater from a kind of a tech background?
1: Yeah. So during that time working in Silicon Valley, um, I, I built a pretty, uh, heavy coffee addiction. Oh yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, uh, I think living in in the valley, you kind of are buying into this hustle culture. Um, I, I was very ambitious in what I wanted to do with my career and how where I wanted to go, um, whether it was design or starting another company. Um, and I think I was I was thinking that coffee would allow me to do more and do it faster. Um, outside the office, I was also pursuing a fine art career um, and having some success there. And then I was training jujitsu and climbing and You know extending myself both both physically and mentally Mm -hmm. um and looking around me like everybody i saw was drinking tons of caffeine and so i was just like this is must be a performance enhancer um but a couple probably like a year into that um and, and i think having struggled with some depression and anxiety in my younger adult life um i i started to notice some detriments to my creativity and I think it was probably systemic um, from like poor sleep and then heightened stress states. Um, basically I, I, was, I was disillusioned by the, the premise that coffee was going to allow me to do more. Um, and I started to explore uh, different alternatives because I still loved the the significance of a morning ritual, the symbol of waking up and st- sort of pursuing my dreams. Um, but for me, high doses of caffeine, uh, just wasn't boding well for creativity in the long term. Yeah. Um, Around this realization, I got invited to do an artist in residency in uh, Goa, India. Um, So like I said, I was kind of pursuing pursuing this fine art career along with the design career. And I just got a call and I could essentially take a leave of absence from work, live in India for six months um, and work on a, basically an art show that would happen in Goa and Bombay. Um, And, having not been really anywhere in the world. Um, I I thought it was an amazing opportunity to sort of take a pause and reflect on my career in the design world and also jump deeper into the art world. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I did that. And in India, um, chai is sort of how coffee is here where it's on every corner, everybody drinks it. Um, and so that was a pretty cool shift to see. Um, I, I think it gave me a perspective, um, to my, a lot of behaviors that I had um, just growing up where you're kind of given these prescriptions through culture by what your parents say or teachers or religion um, as far as what is good, what is bad, what is right, wrong, um, normal, uh, all the, all of these things. And I started to, um, to question some of those habits and behaviors and was introduced to this new beverage that had one seventh of caffeine and just that one switch alone um did wonders to my sleep, which uh cascaded down to just stress levels and creativity. Um so when I came home from that trip, I had this masala chai blend and was just thinking about how masala chai is inherently just an amalgam of tea and spices already. And I started to wonder what else I could add to that um that would benefit my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, And that's when I started to explore different ingredients. Um, And I I added, uh, I first started to explore lion's mane, um, specifically for the benefit of cognitive function and focus, Um, and then I added uh, cordyceps to help with physical performance. Um, You know, I was trying to balance this mind and body, I really think holistically. Um, And so I think exerting myself physically outside of the office really does help me um, when I am on my computer. And then I added chaga and reishi to help with uh, stress response, turmeric to help with inflammation, cinnamon to help with intermittent fasting, cacao, uh, for energy and mood and to sort of round out the flavor profile. Um, and then there's a, a little pinch of salt for both hydration, but it also really helps the flavors um, pop. And yeah, it was kind of, there was no business intent. There was no whiteboard session of, is this a big idea? I was really just solving a problem for myself. Yeah, um, and and honestly thought that I was uh, an anomaly that couldn't drink this substance. That it seemed like everyone had no problem drinking.
0: Yeah. This, so once you had your first kind of experience together, how would you test its effectiveness then for yourself?
1: Um, well, I think. Because I spend a lot of time in front of a canvas just with my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty mm-hmm. self-aware of how I feel and if I'm feeling good or feeling bad or stressed or tired or energized or like in that zone of flow. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm like constantly searching for that, that state, um, that, you know, probably a lot of athletes feel, a lot of artists feel where the, it's almost as like out of body experience. And, um, I noticed that when I drink high doses of caffeine it's a lot harder to find and I think that that's due to um, activating the sympathetic state. Uh, fight or flight response is not really conducive to creative thinking. You kind of fall back on your instincts and then uh, being in a calm relaxed uh, state really does activate the creative muscle and, um, and so just off the bat that was an amazing shift for me and then over time I'm training jiu-jitsu and I'm I'm always looking for an edge in in my cardio and endurance and vitality. And and I I noticed a huge shift there. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly monitoring my body and my mind. And I I think I have these output modalities, whether it's design and creativity or or art or in in the physical space that I'm sort of testing myself um, Mm -hmm. and gathering data around. But I mean, because it wasn't a business, I was waking up and, you know, putting a spoon in putting this in a big hydro flask going about my day um and feeling amazing and having friends come up and being like what is that <laughs> what are you drinking there um the original the blend that I was originally drinking I would use uh, chaga and it's like raw form so there are these chunks of chaga um okay. so not powdered yeah so it, it looked pretty weird and uh and yeah I mean that that started seemed to catch people's eyes and that's where I was kind of like grossing people out <laughs> like, yeah i'm just drinking mud <laughs> like that's kind
0: of how it started so what was the turning point that you kind of realized you want to turn this experiment and your own satisfaction into then a business
1: yeah so um after that trip to india i found myself in la i a year after living in la i joined a tech startup that was in the e-commerce space they're delivering uh, it was a feminine hygiene product it was a subscription model and i was leading the design team there and it was the first time that I was really focused on building a community, building like a membership feeling um, and sort of learning the ins and outs of building a, uh, a really good retention model um, through packaging, branding, web design, account management, all of these things. And um, I, I really found that I love that, that way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like building a tribe. And a year into that, I was, I was also working in an office environment with a ton of coffee addicts. And like I was saying, they are coming up to me asking me what I was drinking and I would tell them I was drinking mud, but be like, what is that? And we would go into it and why I was drinking it and whatnot. And pretty much every single person I talked to um, drank coffee every day and everyone I talked to also wanted to reorient their relationship to it. Whether that was weaning off that afternoon cup um, giving it up for a month, taking a reset, or, uh, you know, quitting altogether. And I just found that to be really fascinating that the majority of people drank this substance, but had this underlying guilt built around it, um, and also didn't feel like there was a, an alternative that was sort of accepted by culture. Um, and so they were almost drinking it Sub Like unconsciously, mm-hmm. like it was it was just like the majority opinion, and so it wasn't questioned and they they weren't making the decision for themselves and I started to reflect on how important that shift was for me, where I came back with this um, empowerment to sort of take inventory of what I was doing in my life um, and and think for myself, and this drink was sort of the the Trojan horse for that for me mm-hmm. um, and I became really excited about giving that opportunity for other people, whether it was just the premise of an alternative that allowed people to question their current habits or they actually fell in love with the product themselves. I didn't really care. Mm -hmm. I really just wanted to empower people to think differently. Um, And so in may of 2018, I sort of had this overwhelming uh, like vision for what the company could be um, and the brand and the packaging. And it was literally over a weekend where I grabbed my computer on a Saturday morning and designed the, the brand, um, applied it to the packaging, uh, put together a simple Squarespace custom theme um, and threw up an Instagram post that said, we're not mad at coffee, we're just disappointed. So we made something better. Um, yeah. Didn't even have like really a finalized formula, <laughs> um, like very scrappy uh, mentality uh, where I was just minimum viable product, like put something out there, test product market fit, um, and just move fast and start learning. And within a couple of weeks, we started to get, or I mean, I started to get orders. I was by myself. Um, I had a little Cuisinart mixer. I was still working full time. I had no money to invest in, in this endeavor. So I opened up a credit card. I I had this, like having started a failed company before, like I knew the stakes um, on a personal level where you sort of, when you start a company, you put yourself out there, like to your friends, your family. For sure. Um, And then when it, when it falls apart, you kind of, it's like, you're losing a part of yourself in a way. It's pretty uh, a heavy experience. Um, And so I knew the stakes, but oddly enough, I felt like a very strange, hard to explain confidence around this, that just kept driving me forward like as though I had wind in my sails and within six months still working full time. Um, just like hustling every way I could. I, I don't have friends come over and package boxes up while I was at work. Um, we were doing six figures in monthly revenue all of a sudden wow. and insane reviews. Um, like it got to the point where because I didn't have money to invest, I still had to work full-time to sort of keep up with inventory and make sure we were continuing to grow. Um, but my time, I was just so maxed out that I didn't really have the energy or capacity to continue. Um, and I called a friend and former co-founder of mine, and I was he was kind of following along the progress, and we, we wanted to work together at some point again. And um, he he just told me, Shane, I'm, I'm writing you a check for 25 K. Like I've seen all the reviews. I've been following this along. You have something really special here and you're going to quit your job tomorrow and we're going to do this. And I like, didn't even know what to say, what to do. Yeah. And pretty much he hung up the phone and just texted me, check your bank account. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I pretty, and yeah, the next day I let my, my founder CEO know, um, what was going on and she was very understanding and, uh Paul and I went on to raise just over $1.1 from some amazing investors, um, moved into an office. At this point, we're in a commercial kitchen and uh, just start, really started to turn it into a, a real business.
0: That's amazing. So yeah. to reach those numbers so quickly, what, what kind of marketing were you doing? Was this social media or how what, what were you doing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So early on. Um, it was really just Instagram advertising. Okay. Um, I, I did have some people that I would flow the product to. I was scrappy as well. So I, I went to, I don't know if you've heard of the Kelly Slater uh, Wave Ranch. No. It's in Bakersfield. It's a it's a man-made wave, like out in the desert, basically. And they had a, a big surf contest with all the biggest surfers in the world. And maybe you've heard of Kelly Slater. He's oh, yeah. one of the the surfers yeah for sure. Um, and so I had a friend who was a team manager for for one of the, the brands that was being represented there, and I sort of forced him to uh, place a mud tin in the locker of Kelly Slater <laughs> 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 like things like that and like wow. weeks later he posted to his his feed or to his uh, Instagram story. Um, I sent some to authors. Like I was just kind of like seeding it out to certain people. Mm-hmm. But the bread and butter of the growth was really um was really promoting posts and learning Facebook advertising in the beginning stages and not really going with the uh the status quo, the, the marketing one oh one, what the what people would recommend um I use for like copy templates and whatnot. Like I really was trying to approach it differently yes um for for example some of the copy that i would write for our our ads or my ads was like four paragraphs long of the founder's story and why i started the company and like i there's that and then i think having photos that also felt very organic and shot on an iphone sort of like fit within the feed where you're scrolling through, you're like, do I know this person or not? And then you're all of a sudden on paragraph two and you maybe are realizing that you have a coffee addiction and there's all of a sudden something out there for you Yeah, was was just something that seemed like it was starting to resonate. So like to be specific, like our my early CAC in those days was like $7 customer acquisition cost. And mm-hmm. it was just like, it was just a lever um and you're you're selling thirty, 40 product depending on subscription or on demand and it was just scaling and I was able to scale basically as much as I could fulfill orders and that was the limitation wow and it's interesting how you mentioned
0: the paid advertising kind of intimacy between your story I've actually come across some of your ads and I have to agree as a consumer standpoint like those are very appealing and it kind of made me read into your story as well and that's honestly not 100% the reason but that's part of the reason I reached out and kind of like read about Mudwater and your story. So you really have been doing good on those ads. I don't know if it's the same ads from back then, but I mean, <laughs> they're really great so far, what I've seen.
1: Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been uh, adapting and, and just trying to continue to put out fresh angles and takes, but with that same ethos of just being real and honest mm-hmm. and um, yeah, just n- not just thinking for ourselves on on what resonates with us and, and not reading like the how-to market guides. Um, yeah,
0: 100%.
1: Yeah, like a recent thing that we did that is sort of uh, maybe an evolution of those early ads is we made our first YouTube video ad and it's basically the founder story, but um, instead of being delivered via text, it's delivered via video and audio. Yeah. Um, and it like that really changed our year last year um, at the end of the year. Like it was the most powerful ad that we've probably created to date. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen that, maybe check it out. Um, yeah. Could inspire some ideas for for others for advertising.
0: Awesome. So from a branding standpoint, what made you abbreviate water in your name?
1: Um, so yeah, there, there's a couple of things that go into branding. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the mud part is, uh, like I said, it was just that's what I was calling it to my friends. Um, there wasn't anything crazy there. Um, mm-hmm. but I did think through how most companies probably wouldn't inherently want to call something that you drink mud. Yeah. But that's, that's like at the core of what we want to do is sort of question societal norms. Um, and I think in this case, specifically the, the norms around what we are consuming, where <clears throat> like when you look at the shelf of a grocery store, there's like vitamin water, sunny delight mountain <laughs> view like all these things that sound amazing yeah but they're terrible for you like you're drinking straight sugar water for sure and um and because of that like people look at and they they think they're drinking a name they're like if it sounds good it is good and that's not the case obviously um so we didn't want to play the the cute name contest and and at the end of the day it's what's inside the the beverage or the food that you're drinking and really how close it is to the dirt or the mud that that matters or makes a difference in its nutrient quality. So that's the, the mud part. Um, mud.com is probably 800 K or more. <laughs> to True. Um, so there there's no way to get mud.com. Um, but what I did like about having, uh, like, I guess a second part of the name was that it allowed me to think about scalability in the future. So I, I'm thinking about, if we're going after coffee, there's so much more to coffee than just the beverage itself. Um, the location, the cafe, uh, the media built around it, the community aspect. And so I put that slash between the following word to allow for a separation for in the future. If And, and so we have we have done a pop-up um, and we called it Mud Hut. So it was mud slash hut. Okay. Um, where we're launching a media department and we're doing like mud films. So there's mud slash films. Um, so that's one example of, of why there's that component. And then the water part. Um, I just like the symmetry between the three letters, three letters. Um, I, I also think it's it's just something different. Uh, sure. And so you're always thinking about how do you apply your, your personality to almost everything you do. Um, I think the best companies that... They kill it with branding. They think about the details, the finest details, and how they can they can put something there that differentiates them, that creates a little angle, um, yeah, just a little character. Uh, so I try to apply that thinking across everything, and, and that's one case. Yeah.
0: Got it. So in, co- in contrast to coffee, what can a consumer expect if they switch over from coffee to mud water? Is there um, is it? For your own experience, is it tough? Or, what have other customers said? Um, from a caffeine so, perspective as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, for the, from the caffeine perspective, um, there's like one seventh the caffeine of coffee, um, depending on the coffee that you're drinking. Coffee can vary from 100 milligrams to 250. Um, and then definitely there's a difference in flavor and approaching the market from a coffee alternative perspective. Some people think that it's supposed to or going to taste like coffee. Yeah. Um, It doesn't. And we're not trying to. Um, The main flavor palette is, is like a masala chai blend, Um, not your Starbucks chai syrup. It's like, (laughs) yeah, it's a, it's a combination of ginger, cardamom, cinnamon, a little bit of black tea, um, and then you have cacao. So it's like a—it's not your Hershey's chocolate or co- hot cocoa. It's, it's a bitter um, chocolatey taste. And, and then you have um, some subtle notes of turmeric and whatnot. And what we're seeing is the, f- the flavor um, is impacted by how you make it as well. Uh, so making it with different milk products, for example, can change the flavor based on the fat profile of whatever you're mixing it with. Mm-hmm. Um, so like an oat milk might taste a little bit different from an almond milk. And then like if you put butter and MCT, like a bulletproof style will taste different from just straight up with water. Um, and that's really the approach I wanted. Um, at least how it compares to coffee is that it's a base that allows you to personalize based on your person, based on your desired flavor palette. Like the first time somebody has coffee, it's not necessarily like a experience like you you kind of grow into it similar to maybe like a red wine for sure um where you sort of your your taste palette is uh influenced by the functional benefit or the the psychoactive um influence that the beverage has um and so ours is very much the same and so some people maybe go into it thinking this is going to taste like some starbucks chai yeah Um, and we do try to to preface that um beforehand a bit, but we we aren't playing the flavor game. Like we are, I'm very functional first and trying to build something that tastes good enough and is malleable enough by adding other products that allow you to build a ritual around it. Um, And ultimately it's through repeated habitual use that you will get all the benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just back to your question, like some people early on, it takes them a second to find their recipe. Um, They maybe try it straight up first and maybe have a similar experience to a black coffee and then they they we we try to encourage them to be if they were coffee drinkers like what were you mixing in your coffee was it a little bit of honey and creamer cool try it with that and it will probably be amazing and better than coffee tasted off the bat um and and so yeah my my favorite blend right now is a little bit of ghee butter and some mct oil and if um if I'm feeling, if I'm trying to treat myself, I'll put a little bit of honey in there too. Nice. So, where are the bulk of your elements sourced? Yeah, so our mushrooms are grown in Carlsbad, California, surprisingly. Okay. Um, 80, 80% of the mushrooms in the world, at least the, these medicinal functional mushrooms, are grown in China. Um, mushrooms are very interesting. Uh, they are more similar to humans than they are plants, um, they breathe air. Uh, instead of uh, CO2. Um, and they're bioaccumulators. So that means that they, they sort of take in their environment um, and they take it in more than they can expel it. Um, and so the environment that the mushroom is grown in ultimately is what part of what you are consuming. So if it's grown in a polluted environment, um, eating mushrooms that are grown in a polluted environment can be very toxic. Mm-hmm. And I, and so, knowing that, and knowing that this was something I wanted to consume daily, uh, I found this company in Carlsbad, California, with the state-of-the-art, indoor, sustainable growing operation um, that grows both. They they grow mushrooms in the mycelium and and uh, fruiting body state, so you get the entire uh, the entire biomass of of the mushroom product, um, and so. Yeah. It's, if you want to go deeper on that, there's, there's a lot on our website about um, the choice there. Awesome. Uh, and then we, we have a supplier that we work with called Terrasol superfoods. So they're one of the the biggest and longest standing um, superfood suppliers in the U S um, really. And they've been sourcing bulk ingredients um, for, I think around 20 years now. And, and so they, we, we work with them to, uh, to find amazing suppliers for cacao, our cacao is sourced in the Dominican Republic. Um, our turmeric is sourced in, uh, in India. Our cinnamon, we, we use Ceylon cinnamon, sourced from Sri Lanka. Um, our black tea is grown in uh, in Asia. And and yeah, so we we are working with amazing suppliers, and we are just about to launch a film project where we go and meet with the farmers of, of each ingredient. So that's something uh, we're really excited to launch, um, late this year. That's amazing. So looking at mud water today,
0: where can you guys be found? Are you a hundred percent e-commerce or, or what is that? Uh, we're,
1: we're about, I would say it's like 98% e-commerce. Okay. Um, with a growing social media brand, we get a lot of inbound interests from cafe owners and grocery owners. And, um, we do view the cafe, especially if it's like made to, made to order, um, as an amazing acquisition channel for us, where like the best way to try this new product out for the first time is via a trained barista. Um, so we are in about 40 cafes. Um, we just rolled out into earth bar, which is the the main cafe that you would find in Equinox, but they also have, um, I think around 30 locations. So you can go there and, and you can get, mud water in a latte form i think they make one where they add it to coffee and then they also have a smoothie bowl okay so we're looking to uh to launch more of those we have a location on our website where it has a map um and then we're in various grocery stores um like air one. uh but our main focus internally is direct consumer um and subscription model Got
0: it. So I like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, what would that be? Maybe something you've learned or regret? Just anything.
1: Yeah, I think the oddly the best thing that I've learned is how to unlearn. Mm-hmm. Um, and that speaks to thinking for myself. Um, and there's various ways I think you can do this. One of them is travel. Um, another is the various mindfulness modalities that I've picked up along the way. Um, Meditation um, is something I do daily. Just gives myself the ability to see my life and the, the events or the stressors in it um, from a new perspective. And oftentimes that allows me to make better decisions. Um, And, and one other that I've picked up in more in the last year or so is uh, something called breath work. Um, It's like conscious breath work Mm -hmm. and, It's very complimentary to meditation, um, something that we do as a team now, um, just to sort of create a very quick shift in perspective, um, whether that's leading into a meditation, um, but we also do it leading into our monthly all hands meetings uh, just to ground ourselves into presence and um, hopefully cultivate some creativity. So yeah, I would take on some uh, some practices to try to uh, figure out who you really are Um, and the, maybe the things that you aren't, um, and ultimately from that place, you can start to live and act from a place of, of authenticity, um, and truth.
0: Awesome. Well, Shane, thank you so much for joining me and to the listeners out there. Make sure to check out mudwater at mudwater.com. Thank you, man. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of starting small. If you would leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.